Under the Helmet. You'll do your thing, all right? Don't be nervous, okay? The show that looks at long-term player value in fantasy football. It's the moment right here. We're going to have to decide what, what type of team we want to be. Building Dynasties each and every week. I don't even know your name. What's your name? Chad Parsons. I'm telling you, man, you're leading the league in hydration. I got a Dynasty team reaping rewards for the next decade. Katie Flower. You may beat me, but you will not outwork me. Tim Torch. There's only one winner, Chad. Find their written and premium audio content at uthdynasty.com. Playing it safe in Dynasty means you're going to lose. Stop talking about it, man. Welcome to Under the Helmet, looking at some long-term player value in fantasy football. I'm Chad Parsons, got Katie Flower here, and she is back. And good to have her back because we are doing our series of tough-to-rank and value players at the running back position. So our bread and butter, and we're going to talk about some profiles that are confusing out there in the dynasty marketplace for our own valuation system and just projecting ahead for NFL and dynasty and fantasy purposes. Good to have you back, Katie. And we're in the second half of the season here. We're pushing towards the playoffs. And some of these running backs are a big part of that. Some of them, not as much as we would have liked heading into the season. Do you have any macro thoughts about the running back position and then some of the players that we we chose in more of a collective sense? Just that it's been an interesting year. Uh, You look at Christian McCaffrey and he got traded to San Francisco and surely they would make him a bell cow back. But no, the intention is to just split time with Elijah Mitchell and (laughs) have him each about 18 touches per game. And that's a little bit of a head scratcher. I guess they want to keep him healthy, which everybody would want to keep him healthy. But you got a horse, you got a stud, you got to let him you know well and especially uh, the price they paid right i mean because well, right of a non-quarterback and you're talking about a running back position that gets pushed down the draft and you give a second plus plus for christian mccaffrey and that big salary you figure they're going to ride that pony and we'll see how that 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 develops obviously that they like elijah mitchell too but maybe this is all just some big plan to say garoppolo you know you can take a little bit of a back seat you know we're gonna we're gonna feature the run game as much as humanly possible yeah, and even if that's the case, though, at the split, Christian McCaffrey is certainly talented enough to still make it work and still make it viable for fantasy points. And, yeah. you know, he could have an explosion game at any point in time. So it's not like you're going to sit the dude, but it's just one of those, you know, the whole year has been topsy-turvy. Uh, well, with how about the- everyone writing off Jonathan Taylor and then all of a sudden he comes back and you don't have Naheem Hines and he has a Jonathan Taylor-like game, he breaks a long run. And, you know, everyone just comes back to the party, right? I mean, he has a down, you know, misses a few games. Uh, Colts are, are one of the more perplexing and downtrodden offenses. They fire their coach midseason and you get Operation Fresh Start. You get Matt Ryan back in there. And uh, Taylor has uh, more of a game that you expected back in week one more more often. Yeah, and I don't know that everyone wrote him off. I mean, he's been injured and banged up, but when he's not right. been, he's been producing fantasy-wise at a decent clip. So... Uh, yeah, he averages out to RB24 PPR for the season so far, but uh, that's just... What's uh, your what's your take on DeAndre Swift? He's not on our list, but in terms of it seems like it's been weeks and weeks and weeks of this management, and then we got the full go, you know, two thumbs up to close last week, 
and still his workload was very segmented and Jonathan will uh, Jamal Williams is running with that job and Swift isn't really dominating as much well a this whole season but B since he's since he's come back and been managed uh, especially in the passing game like we just have not seen as much dominance of that McCaffrey light type player that we've seen at his peak in the past what's your kind of observation of Swift this year yeah, I mean, his maximum targets so far have been five. Yeah. He's right around that three, four, five zone. And three, four, five targets for a talented receiving back like that isn't very much. His first couple of weeks, he at least had uh, decent uh, exposure for rushing and touchdown. But once he got hurt, and as you said, he's being managed now, Jamal Williams is just that lunch pail type guy. He's got a great attitude. He's a hardworking guy, and he's no slouch in reception in receiving the football as well as toting the, the rock. So uh, I don't know. That's just another one of those that I'm hoping by the time fantasy playoffs come, they find a way to give him more of the workload. Um but I don't know if I can count on that either. That's what I mean. This whole season's yeah. kind of been a topsy-turvy, head-scratching uh, for, for running backs in general. Yeah, it just seems like we're going to get to the end of year three here. And with DeAndre Swift, we're going to say we've had some huge peaks. We've seen some great things of if he strings it together. And this year has definitely been probably the worst iteration of those two things of a hitting peaks and b stringing it together and you know this is a this is a room where where there's fans of Jamal Williams but to say that you know a 28 year old Jamal Williams should basically say to DeAndre Swift go sit over there i mean we're not going to go that far you know we're not blood relatives so i i would just say i think swift is an interesting case cuz people had him very very high the the market in general and and a lot of these players are going to be interesting to see where they fall when we get to january february and reset the clock a little bit with with drafts and trading and you know don't, not having the season going on in, in full force exactly all right, let's start with the first player here, and I'll, I'll kick things off. And I'll start off with a productive player uh, and a guy that's having a career year so far. That is Josh Jacobs. Um, he's running back six in adjusted points per game, thereabouts, plus or minus, you know, one or two spots, depending on uh, scoring and, and all of that. And you look at a guy that has been uh, basically a top 15, top 18 guy through all four years. He's got a lot of using that. Uh, Im- imagery. You've got someone that has peers to guys like Clinton Portis or uh, Maurice Jones-Drew, maybe even on the high end, guys like Curtis Martin, Adrian Peterson, Ezekiel Elliott of just a very solid floor, um, especially with strong pedigree added to that, a round one pedigree in Josh Jacobs. Um, the things I would add in terms of what makes this a, di- a, a more difficult eval than the things I just said. It is the fact that he's a 2023 free agent. They did not give him even a fifth-year option. I understand why they wouldn't, but it definitely clouds things because the Raiders have generally been a conducive and good situation for him. And to say that they're not all in on even 2023 for Josh Jacobs, give some pause. I think there's a very easy argument to say that he's not an elite talent, that he is a, a player that we thought might be more dynamic coming out of Alabama as a receiver. We haven't really seen that. We've seen more of a try-hard, break tackles, inside a 15-yards type player, not someone with game-breaking athleticism or speed or any singular trait. So that's what makes it a little tougher. You're talking about a mid-career guy, not a lot of commitment from the team to continue forward. 
And that opens up, well, what's the situation going to be like in a future year? But we have seen round one pedigree and a good producer and a guy that projects as more of a workhorse. And we've definitely been surprised from his Alabama resume towards what we've seen as a workhorse here in the NFL. That is on the positive side, but it's still something where you say, why hasn't he been unlocked more as a receiver? And maybe it is that he doesn't have that that higher end athleticism, you know, in the measured sense, the burst, the 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 speed, the the home run ability that we see from some of the other big time dynasty running backs. So that's setting the table. Uh, what would you like to add on Josh Jacobs being a, a tough to rank and value player? Yeah, I think the Raiders themselves are not the offense that I expected them to be. You have the incoming Devontae Adams reunited with his college sweetheart, Derek Carr, and Carr himself has been all right fantasy-wise. Devontae Adams has been all right fantasy-wise. Josh Jacobs has been very stellar, you know, top six right now in PPR as a running back, but yet not really used, as you mentioned, as a receiving running back. And so there's still even more sky's the limit on him. But one thing that I like about Josh Jacobs, he's quietly been RB6. I don't know that his price tag is super high. I still don't think he gets the respect. And he's not that old. I know he's got a lot of question marks. You got you know, will he stay with the Raiders next year? Will they, are they just kicking the tires? I know they didn't sign him to the fifth year, but they could potentially keep him, I believe. Or if he does go to a new team, especially with next year's running back class, who will need a running back? How will they use him? And and that makes, I think, his price tag stay fairly doable. So I guess what I'm saying is I'm more of a buyer than a seller, but it all depends on his price and what the other owner feels. And and that could be, depending on the league, very, very league and owner dependent. Yeah, I agree with all that. I, I am definitely ahead of the market. Um, I do think just from a a personal where do I put him, you know, as someone who does rankings, I think he's interesting because when you have a mid-career running back, and that I would call that 24, 25, 26, a lot of people start to, you know, the age factor starts to creep in. So I'll say 24, 25. And, and Jacob fits in right there, mid mid prime. But when you say, should I have him over, say, Brees Hall or Kenneth Walker? They're 21 year old kids. So they have the whole time and they've already flashed, you know, they've, they've already flashed, frankly, um, a ceiling that is at least equal to Josh Jacobs so far. And he, they're three years younger. Obviously, with Hall, you have the injury. But DeAndre Swift, we've seen a much bigger ceiling and change your season possibility from DeAndre Swift at his peak, and he's a little younger. These are guys that I have ahead of him. Um, the guys that I have behind, uh, guys like Chubb and Mixon, you, he is notably younger than them. You could say, you know, are they much more likely to have a bigger season than Josh Jacobs over the next two seasons? I don't think you can unequivocally make that statement. Um, and so, and then you get into question marks or guys that frankly are 27 years old. So I think I got him, you know, in that the late, late top 10. So somewhere between eight and about 12, I think makes a lot of sense. The market to me is a little low, but I think if you're all about Josh Jacobs and have him in the top five or six, I think that's a bit rich considering the profile we've seen so far. And I think you need to have more special stuff to be high up there. You know, you know, the case for McCaffrey, Taylor, Barkley, um, 
even you know etn for me uh i i think you can see and i think you can make the argument for guys like hall or swift or walker or i, I think there's a, a good number that you can say they have a much easier argument for say top five chops top five skills so I think inside the top 10 is prudent. I think the market is a little low by a few spots. But I also think if you put them out at 15, 16, 18, you're factoring too much of the unknown in the future. And like you just said, coming back to the Raiders possibility, the fact that he would go to a team and not be a starter is probably a pretty low low probability considering his profile he's built so far. Right. And I agree with all that. And while he is putting up RB6, you know, overall yeah. PPR in such a really crazy season, that's not where I would value him. Uh, if you can get him somewhere in the RB 13 to 15 price tag, knowing that he has enough upside to still creep up in that potential top five at times. And again, there's no guarantees anything with fantasy football and uh, you know, somebody like that i'm going to bank on the talent especially at the discount that i believe that most people would put him in right now looking toward next season let's uh i got three trades i dug up from this week let's rapid fire uh just where you kind of sit on jacobs within this market prism so these are all super flex uh for the for the picks part of it uh, it was jacobs for a uh, 23 first so depending on where that is in the round, what's your what's your take on that? Right. I mean, if that's somewhere from one to six, I'd probably rather have the pick. If it's anywhere from okay. seven to 12, it's probably pretty close. Okay. What do you think about versus Javante Williams and a second? Mm. I don't know if we've talked Javante Williams much, so I don't really know where you stand on him. Yeah. Um, that's probably pretty close. Okay, he's he's yeah, he'll be 23 next year. Uh we still yet to see him really for much long term with the with the lead job there in Denver. And uh and yeah, he'll be coming back from a significant injury. Right. And then this one, uh pretty timely one. We have Jacobs and a a 23 second for Rashad White and a 23 first. Well, again, it would depend on where that first is and you said it's super flex, so So same prism it's, if it's top half. Yeah, same same type of prism. Okay. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Uh, I'm on those sides. Javante Williams, to me, I could have included him on this, you know, in terms of uh, right. being one of the more close, uh, tougher to tougher to rank and value players, especially with where he was, you know, running back two, three, four, kind of entering the season and pre pre injury there, and the fact that he's now, you know, fallen a decent amount. Uh, but let's go to your your first tough to rank and value running back you got. My first one is Alvin Kamara. And he is 27 going on 28. He's had a fairly decent, you know, the opportunities are there in week five and week eight. If he could get that kind of usage more consistently where he had 18 to 20 plus attempts for carries and, you know, anywhere eight, nine, 10 targets, then add any kind of touchdowns into the mix. And he's, He's a stud, but he's got a lot of things working against him. For one thing, his age, he's heading into his 28-year-old season. He's got a new coach who is defensive-minded. They still don't know what they're going to do at quarterback. And uh, Jameis Winston has been healthy for uh, 
few weeks and Andy Dalton has been crapping the bed the last couple games and the coach still doesn't know whether to pull the plug on Andy Dalton and give Jameis Winston his job back. And what's that scene going to look like next year? Not to mention that his suspension won't hit this year. He's got a trial date set for March 1st. More than likely, he's going to have some kind of suspension in 2023. So a 28-year-old running back on a team that's in flux with a quarterback that's in flux and a coach that's in flux. And we don't know how long that suspension is going to be. And I think that a lot of it will depend on the video and the public outcries can affect the league. We've seen it. Uh so he's tough for me to gauge as far as trading, trading for, taking a chance or not, or just totally avoiding. And then where do you rank him in dynasty rankings? I'm sure that's difficult for you, Chad. Yeah, losing, you know, I think from the the legal minds at, at football guys, that includes Jordan McNamara that we know that uh, it's it's pretty binary. Like the, uh, he's not going to get a three game suspension. It's pretty much going to be six or nothing. So six is significant when you talk about a fantasy regular season, when you talk about a 28-year-old running back, and quality games or predictable games left. So that's the other factor. You know, you add suspension to obviously there's injury risk and just erosion risk or, or other factors like that. Saints implosion risk, I actually wrote down. You know, that's an ancillary ancillary factor to the to Alvin Kamara here is where do the Saints sit? And the other thing that I wrote down is, you know, they are not giving the running back targets that they have pre like they have dominated in previous years this year. And I, I haven't updated it through week 10, but 17th in running back targets per game, 17th for having Alvin Kamara. That's a sin. You cannot do that. Like why have that player? This is like, if you were you know 15th with Alvin Kamara, like it doesn't make sense. Like you have something and you're not utilizing it in the fashion in which it was attended, uh, intended. So they're not getting goal line opportunities. Kamara is not scoring a lot of touchdowns, not getting a lot of opportune looks like that. And so you say, at, but here's the other thing. He's still like, you know, a, a top 10 points per game running back. So despite all these things, Saints imploding, high leverage opportunities way down and, and not aligning with his skill set. And, and that puts him on a track right now to finish for the sixth straight time out of six seasons with a top 12 season, a top 12 finish. And almost no one's done that. It's Marshall Falk, it's Curtis Martin, it's LaDainian Tomlinson, it's Adrian Peterson, and it's Alvin Kamara. So from that standpoint, you should be like, well, I'm all in. But we already outlined why it's not so easy. It's not so easy to just be quote unquote all in on a guy that's still valued in the top 12 to 15 of the position and who's 27 going on 28 with possibility of losing essentially half of a fantasy regular season. So that's what makes it a difficult conversation for sure is you can't just, and I find how do I feel about the 27 year old running backs? Cause there's a lot of them. Eckler, Fournette, Kamara, Henry, uh, Henry's 28, Dalvin cook, Ezekiel Elliott, Aaron Jones, these are big time producers, big profiles that we've seen over the last four or five years. And they're all aging. Who's going to survive age 28? It's probably going to be half of them. The other half, whoo, based on some of their price points, you have a lot to lose. Makes it super risky. Exactly. So let's, let's break down a, a few trades I saw from this week. So we've got uh and so we've got a possibility to upgrade at tight end. We've got 
Alvin Kamara added to George Kittle and a second for Mark Andrews and a third. Is that tight end premium? Uh, 1.5, yeah. Okay. He said Kamara, Kittle. And a second for Andrews and a third. It would really, do you know how many roster spots or anything like that? Because that matters. Yeah, yeah. You'd have to drop a couple on one side and who right. you got to drop and how many like that you started each position. But what are your thoughts on trading mid season? You're trading up, but you're also trading for an injured player. Do you think right. Kittle is like Kittle is one of the more confusing guys because he's a huge talent, but they're like the 49ers have so much, so many huge talents that they're wasting them largely because they're all together. Right, exactly. And that's why I'm leaning towards the Mark Andrews side. I'd, yeah. I'd almost rather have the one stud rather yeah. than the the names of people that used to be studs. Andrews' advantage over the field, even if Kittle comes back to tight end four, but if you have Kamara that has a suspension or just the natural market value erosion, Andrews can probably supersede that over the next two, three years. Yeah. Okay. Uh, super flex. We've got Camara and Fields for Kenneth Walker and Tua. Well, that's I'd I'd probably go with Kenneth Walker and Tua. Okay. How are you feeling on Fields? Has it changed I, at all with the big games? Do you still have the same questions? I've always been pretty high on Justin Fields compared to most people. Okay. Um, it takes those young quarterbacks a few years to get going. And his biggest thing has been between the ears and the, the, his game speed hasn't quite gotten there for his head to process everything, but he's starting to play. Things are slowing down for him and he's speeding up. So that's what I expected to see from him at some point. I don't know that he's there consistently yet, but I like to see it. Um, and same thing with Tua. I think that Tua is is finally the the game is slowing down for him. He's starting to see the field better. He's got some really good weapons around him. They're both potentially good young mobile quarterbacks that can use their legs as well as their arms. Well, to- Tua is just good enough. I mean, good enough can be really good with Tyreek and Waddle. You know, right. lo- locked up for the at least the next couple of years. Right. So you think about. What's the second piece? If Tua and Justin are fairly equal, I'd rather have Kenneth Walker over uh, Alvin Kamara. Get five years point. younger, right? Right. All right. Last, last one, we've got Kamara for Russell Wilson and Tyler Alger. Uh, in a super flex? Yep. I would rather have the Russell Wilson, Tyler Algier side. Same here. All right. Uh, my second uh, running back this week is going to be Mr. Clyde Edwards-Alaire. I mean, talk about timely with uh, what we saw on Sunday, which is a guy barely playing. Jarek McKinnon playing a ton on passing downs. Isaiah Pacheco, the starter, and seeing a lot of the rushing work. So where does Edwards-Alaire fit in? Great question. He's uh, he's running back 29 in points per game on the season, but obviously the trend line is that could fall and he could finish in the 30s. Maybe he could even finish in the 40s if this this momentum, uh, this uh, monorail momentum continues. His career high through three years is only running back 22. He is around one running back. Um, he's got eight kind of peers. Only one of them hit as a top 12 from this point forward in their career. 
Half of them hit in the top 24, though. So you could see a guy that, oh, the floor is pretty decent. The ceiling, high question mark. Rookie contract is still there heading into year four for 2023. Let's assume the fifth-year option like Josh Jacobs is not going to be picked up based on the the tea leaves we are seeing on the field and with their decision-making on that depth chart. And again, he's being squeezed on the rushing end with Pacheco, receiving end with McKinnon on this depth chart. So Edward Zolaire drifting into the running back 30s of the dynasty market. Where are you on pedigree versus the the optics of what we're actually seeing develop in front of our eyes this year? I think his pedigree is fake. Oh. I thought that the day that he was drafted, I think that Patrick Mahomes, I don't know what he was smoking when he was looking at all the running backs in college and he chose him and put in a good word for Clyde Edwards-Alaire. You know, yeah, he had a national championship, but... Uh, there is so much talent in that class. I mean, even just imagine DeAndre Swift in this offense or Jonathan Taylor in this offense. And, uh, you know, he was a fugazi for me right from day one. So I don't buy into the pedigree. Okay. I'm glad I don't have very many shares. I don't even think I have any shares of him, but he's done. He had his shot. He didn't do anything with it. They don't like him. They've proven that with McKinnon and Pacheco. Pacheco's not the answer either. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. And neither is Jarek McKinnon. He's there for short term. They're going to have to find somebody that can be the bell cow. And so you, so you think they're a adding to the adding to the depth chart next off season, and b it sounds like you wouldn't be surprised if Edward Solaire is not on it, I despite would, still being on a rookie contract. Correct. Okay. He, and I mean, you, he may be uh, available as part of a trade right. where they packaged, you know, him as a, you know, to move up in the draft or, or something, something, something. Who, you know, who knows? But for a defensive player, yeah. all I know is, you know, so you don't expect showing their hand. You know, he had four attempts and and only two targets this past so, week. So part of the equation for you is, hey, this is not some great rags to riches story of seventh rounder Isaiah Pacheco. This is. They feel Pacheco, Pacheco is the best runner on the depth chart, and the fact that it is, it's more of a damning statement on Edward Solaire than it is Pacheco's really good. Correct. Okay. That's yeah, Pache- Pacheco seems to like, he's got this like high energy, but he basically just runs into people. Mm-hmm. Like He seeks contact, and he tries to, to run into them. I don't think he's natural in the passing game, and that's why they're using McKinnon a ton in that capacity. It seems like they're rubbing sticks together this year, and they hope to reset or fix it in the offseason. Right, and... I wouldn't even consider him a buy low because I he's he's an avoid to me. Well, let me let me let me point some of these trades out. So okay. let's see where you side on these. So versus a twenty three third, I would rather have the third. Okay, almost. Um, I mean, that's 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 bad. Uh, no, I I would I would take. I was only joking. Clyde edwards alaire okay. However, it's not off by much. Okay, uh, versus Michael Thomas. I would take a chance on Michael Thomas. I, I really think they're both useless players at this point. <laughs> okay. Versus Donovan Peoples-Jones. Peoples-Jones. Versus Nico Collins. Nico Collins. Okay. Wow. I would. The only one that made me pause a little bit is Michael Thomas. I would take Edward Slayer and the other three. Yeah. I'm definitely think, pro in the room. Yeah. I think that if Thomas... Thomas has at least shown wide receiver one, yeah. even though it hasn't been of late, Clyde Edwards-Alaire really never has. 
Oh, this has got to be held together by duct tape at this point, though. Yeah. I mean, at this point, it's going to take him until 2026 well, that's to come why back from this latest. Neither one of those, I don't consider no, either one of them worth the dang. Well, no, I know. But but through, the, through that prism, I think you have to say, who would I be more likely to make it to week one with them on my roster? At would, least would with Michael Thomas. At least with Michael Thomas, I could keep him on IR for most of the time. <laughs> that is true. And you wouldn't have to worry about spot. using a roster spot on him. And then even during the season, yeah. if he's injured, he's going to be on your IR. <laughs> so, yeah. All right. You are up with your uh, fourth and now final uh, running back that is tough to value right here. Yeah. Najee Harris. You know, a lot of people... I I wasn't quite as sold that he was going to be a top five, top eight dynasty asset. He moved way up after last season, and he really did have a good season. But if you look back, it was very volume dependent. They gave him a lot of volume last year. They don't have the offensive line this year. They don't have a, a reliable quarterback this year. So... He's been struggling and he's on the older side. And at this point right now in the season, let me see. I got the wrong sheet up. All right. So at this point in the season, he's RB 29 averaging just under 11 points per game. And I just, I don't know what to do with the guy. I mean, you can't really sell him low. I don't think this is the lowest he's going to be in value um, I don't think he's a hot potato. He's somebody that if I've got him, I'm I'm going to outlast. I'm going to have to outlast this this low point. But he'll be 25, you know, in in, in next, next year, year for next season as a dynasty asset. Uh, would you consider him a buy low, or or you just there's so many other guys that you'd rather have, and you think that most of the Najee Harris owners have a pretty big sunken cost i doubt they're gonna want to just let him go for cheap yeah i mean he still has two more years on his rookie deal the the situation i think has not been all that conducive because they yeah they switched quarterbacks but mr trubisky we saw we saw enough there then they switched to kenny pickett personally i've seen enough but i'm open to the possibilities that he's better than we've seen but the point is you got quarterback questions offensive line not very good Honestly, this past game was the first time I saw a legitimate... I mean, you see it a few times a game for basically every other running back in the NFL. Najee Harris finally had a few holes. So he had a decent game. Now, the touchdown opportunities are fleeting. The, uh, you know, really dominating like we saw in garbage time and just check down, check down, check down with nothing else going on for Ben Roethlisberger last year. That's gone. But if you say they have to address quarterback, they've got questions uh, or they're going to go into next year with Pickett and see how that goes. But I just think the situation's not super ripe to lift him up if things aren't going well. And obviously things aren't going well. I think the thing that he has going for him is he got off to a good enough historical start. He's got round one pedigree and you say his price tag is slipping. And like you said, the sell low part is not like shouldn't really be a thing because he, he's kind of falling into that running back 15 20 where you say if a guy is projected as a starter he's got a good enough profile that's almost the floor of where you put them so that's the part that gets me and i would say unless he's trent richardson and i know i just you know made people cringe by saying that name yeah, yeah. But, but really though the running backs that i looked up that were top 12 as a rookie but not top 12 the next year 
all of them except for Trent Richardson reverted back to the top 12 at some point in the future. So unless you think he's completely, and I still remember the wheels falling off of Trent Richardson and again, may, might be shaded. My memory might stink, which it does, but I remember T rich being far worse, oh, far yeah. worse than what we're seeing with Najee Harris. I think there's more to this than is just isolated to Najee Harris is not a good player. Cause we saw him again coming out of now we saw Trent Richardson too, but coming out of Alabama and Najee Harris going into the NFL and showing a lot of positives. And he hasn't had the stark fall off. He hasn't been traded, was it once or twice? And just there were a lot of things in conjunction with Richardson's fall off. Right. Um, so I'm I'm willing to be more patient with this. And I think again, if you if you be if you're really picky at Dynasty running back, I mean, I think it's like, okay, if you say, well, big old bothers you, okay, fine. Um, if it's not already having production under your belt, that bothers you. All right. Like, and then you say one or two other things, which is, well, if you're kind, if you've only done it a, a, a few games of note, then eh, I don't know about that. Or, oh, if you're day three, it really bothers me. And then you start going three or four other things. Who are you left with? <laughs> like, so I think with Najee Harris, it stinks. The good news is he's not super expensive. And again, it's basically as long as you're not T rich, I think there's going to be better times in the future. Now, is it better like you're running back two overall? I'm not going to go that far, but I, I think there's better days than what we're seeing right here of like a guy that's, you don't even feel great about starting him really. And you don't pre pre predict anything more than like 10 to 15 points in a game in a best case. That's where we sit. Yeah. That makes it tough. All right, let's go through. Uh, I got three trades here from this week. We got Najee Harris in a third for David Montgomery in a second. That's mm. all right, right? Yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty close. You got good feels on David Montgomery. <laughs> well, I, I like David Montgomery. I, I don't think he's he's horrible. He's not as bad as what most people yeah. Yeah. give him credit for. Um, yeah. Anyway, I would still take Najee Harris there. Yeah, um, I probably would, but. Now, what do you think about this one of you add a 23 first to Harris to get Amonra St. Brown? Oh, jeez. Najee Harris and the yeah, first. That, that's rich, right? That's, I mean, yeah. That's. Do you think a first and a piece lesser than Harris is appropriate for St. Brown? I think it's first appropriate. Trade? I don't know that I would still pay it, but I do think that it's, it's appropriate. And last one, this kind of ties together the whole show because we've got Najee Harris traded straight up for Alvin Kamara. <laughs> Najee Harris. Okay, there you go. All right. Uh, so, Katie, through this conversation, or we can go anywhere else. Uh, final thoughts about running back, or any any final things on the the players we named, or maybe even some considerations that made your almost list for for tonight. With with my final thoughts, I want to do a shout out. I'm up in Connecticut last week and this week, and uh, one of several people in the class that I'm teaching our fantasy football. So at dinner one night, one of them hands me their phone and I look at their lineup okay. and, and then the others are like, Oh, you like fantasy football. Do mine next, do mine next. And it was fun, but big shout out to George and his buddy, Sal. Uh, they've been just doing redraft and I'm trying to get them uh, wanting and interested in dynasty. So keep at it. You guys, it's a lot of fun. And if you get a chance, try Dynasty. You will not ever want to go back to redraft. And I'll say this. If you win your redraft league, challenge yourself so that you can win 
win a league that continues on every year. Reap the rewards from your championship team the following year as well. Uh, let's do a also a shout out for the UTH Best Ball Contest powered by my fantasy league. And we got Monday Night Football going on, but I'm going to declare that we have a, a decent lead here for Ryan Sheedy. So shout out to him. Uh, he's got a pretty deep roster. I, it looks like he went towards the max in terms of roster spots this year, but he had the perfect storm in week 10. He's got TJ Hawkinson with a couple strong games since moving over to Minnesota. We'll see if Tyler Higby gets an uptick with Cooper Cup being out with the Rams there. Kadarius Tony is coming on for him, so that could be an infusion. He got the monster game from Christian Kirk. He's got some good production midseason from Rondell Moore. Jamal Williams, we talked about the streaming start for Tony Pollard this past week. So he's been getting it from every perspective. The perfect storm taking down the contest. Congratulations, Ryan. You got to win it another week or two, probably, though, because you're still middle of the pack. You're moving up and still have a couple months to go. But congratulations taking it down in week 10, Ryan. So that's going to do it for this week. Uh, Katie mentioned, you know, getting out in the streets. She talks fantasy whenever she can. And if you want to find her on Twitter between episodes, you can find her at FF underscore Skylar 399. I am at Chad Parsons NFL. You want to get premium podcasts. You want to get additional content beyond this free show. Highly encourage it through the premium shows on UTH Dynasty. Things like film notes. Uh, you're going to get the UTH trade calculator, other content going through rankings updated every single week so that you have the dynasty values to dominate and have your best season yet until next time never settle refuse to be average and keep building those dynasties